Okay, so tonight, as you know, we're doing 1090, and our goal is to do it every service that we have preaching or teaching services, not just Sunday morning, but Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And this morning we talked about pathways, and we talked about that. You remember the verse? Psalm 37, 23, and 24. Make it a goal to memorize that this year. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his path. And even if he fall, he will not be utterly cast down because he upholds him with his hand. So, so you ought to memorize that one and, t- and trust God to lead you through 2017. Tonight's message, we're going to take from John chapter 15, uh, verse number 5 and 6, John 15, and we're going to talk about reliance, reliance, relying on God, coming to the point of understanding, now listen, listen, that we really need God. We really need God. We don't just need God when the doctor calls the family in. We just don't need the doctor, or excuse me, God when, when our job is in jeopardy. We don't just need God when a crisis comes. We need God every single day. In fact, every single moment would even be more accurate. And so in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about that very thing, okay? And we want to look at this and look at some scriptures tonight. We'll hopefully also understand just how important this is. Now, it's simplistic, but it's true. Now, it's going to play out different in your life, but not really. Look at verse number 5, the simplicity of verse 5. He simply says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, notice first off what he says, I am. Now, you know, of course, that God said to Moses a long time ago, he said to Moses and said this. You know, Moses said, hey, when I go to these people in Egypt and tell them, you know, who sent me, or God sent me, and they say, which God, who, what God, and, and you tell them, God said to Moses, you tell them, I am sent you, that I am sent you. And then Jesus comes along and, and says several, matter of fact, many times, you know, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, you know, I am the bread of life, I am the living water. Well, here he comes, and when he says, I am the vine, he's saying, as God, as God, I am the vine. I'm not vine the good preacher, I'm not vine the good person, I'm not buying a guy who happens to be able to do miracles. As God, I'm the vine. Now, again, simplistic, but grab it. Grab it is this. The vine represents total provision. Total provision. And the branches represent total dependence. We need to grasp that. We really need to get that. In Jesus Christ, as the vine, we find total provision. We find everything we need. Jesus is enough. Come on. Jesus is enough. And as a vine, we are totally dependent on on him because Jesus is enough. As a vine, as a branch, we've got to lean on him. We don't go unless he says go. We don't decide unless he says decide. What he says to do, we do. And what he says not to do, we don't do. I am, as God, the vine. I am your total, I am your total, I am your total provision. You are a branch. Don't forget that. You know, I'm sitting, loving the song that my brother picked out again as a good, good father. You know, we have a team member. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's Lucy. And through no fault of her own, her visa's not back. 
And I want Lucy to go to Africa. It's her first time. She's excited. She's passionate about working with the kids there. Um, and I just want her to go. And so I'm wrestling with this and going, okay, God, listen, we need this to happen. And he's a good, good father. And let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is a truck's going to pull into Marion at 3 o'clock in the morning. We have at least good indication that the, the visa's going to be on that truck. We don't know that, though. I mean, it's just been crazy. The tracking number hasn't worked. It's just been crazy. Then at 6.30, there's another truck pulling in. And that's the last shot. If, in fact, the visa is not on the 3 o'clock and it's not on the 6.30, he's still a good, good father. And I told my friend Jeremy this morning, I put my arm around him, and I said, boy, I really hope Lucy gets to go. I really want her to go. And I said, but here's the deal. It's been so crazy and so strange that if that visa does not come tomorrow, somehow, dramatically, God is saying, not this time. I won't understand it. I probably will not like it. But it is the truth. The team will be missing a very valuable member. But if God says, Lucy, for whatever reason, the reason we don't know, the answer is no. Now, if it's on there, we're all going to go, yay, hey. But we need to go, yay, hey, anyway, because God is still God. Why? Because he's a total provision. And we are totally dependent on him. Did you write that down? Can you remember that? So as you go through this, this year, as you start 2017, as we take the first 10%, preparing for the next 90%, can we, can we agree tonight that we, Jesus is enough and we need to be totally dependent on him? Amen? Amen. All right, let's go a little further. Look at the second part of verse 5. He who abides in me. And, and literally, you know, abides, can, it's got two connotations. The first one is this, to take up residence, to live in the same household. To be together. But it's also an intimacy factor. So not only to live in the same... I know some couples who live in the same house and they're not on the same page. It means to live in the same house, but also to mean in total and complete harmony. So he says in the second part, He who abides in me... It's a fellowship thing. It's a resident thing. In him bears much fruit. And I in him bears much fruit. He says, my desire is this. My desire is that you abide with me and I with you. We want to we live in the same house, but we want to live in the same house in total harmony. And if that happens, you will bear much fruit. Now, you see something strange there? He doesn't say if you go to seminary. He doesn't say if you have a college education. He doesn't say if you've been saved five years. You'll just bear fruit. It's a natural thing. You hang around Jesus in intimacy, you're going to bear fruit. Let me say it again. If you hang around Jesus in intimacy, you're going to bear fruit. And that's what he says. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And then he says this, for without me you can do nothing. In other words, now that's not, Jeremy, that's not saying in a big way. That's not saying you, you, you can't go buy groceries. It, it probably doesn't mean you can't preach a sermon. It probably doesn't mean you can't lead worship. It probably doesn't mean you can't teach a Sunday school class. But it means you can't do so effectively for the kingdom. I can howl like a dog, but I'll never be a dog. I make a great pig sound. I'll do it for you sometime. 
but I'll never be a pig gratefully. Gratefully. And Jesus says, listen, without me, you can't do kingdom work. Because Jesus Christ and the, and the, and the, and the other member of the, uh, of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, causes, causes action. Spiritual action. There are some amazing ministries in America that, that you'd be amazed how much. Someone said one time, I'll never forget this. The truth is, in a lot of churches, God could never show up and they'd still have church. And would leave and say, what a good day it was. It may have been emotional. It may have been talent. It may have been organized. It may have been all those things. But without God in the mix, it's a performance. It's a performance. So he says, listen, if, if, if I abide in you and you and me, you're going to bear much fruit because without me, you are powerless. Powerless. Now, verse number six is a frightening verse and probably one that's hard to understand. At least I throw my hat in that ring. It says this. If anyone does not abide in me, if anyone does not have, allow me to live in the same house with intimate, an intimate relationship, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Wow, what graphic, what a graphic metaphor. Let me read it to you again because it's so strong. Jesus says, okay, if anyone does not abide in me, then he's cast out as a branch, as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. What in the world? Well, this is where, you know, I got the old commentary out and and read it a couple times, and, and they say there's three real possible interpretations of these verses, you know, what Jesus was trying to say. And number one is this. He may be saying that Christians can lose their salvation. In other words, well, look what it says. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. So maybe he's saying that I can lose my salvation. The only problem with that is it's not possible. It is not possible for a true believer to lose their salvation. Listen to these verses. This, you know, this is one thing I love to trumpet loud and clear because I know a lot of times, y'all probably don't know this, but in some circles, badness are made fun of because we believe in the eternal security of the believer. Now, I don't believe in the eternal security of the church member. I don't believe in the eternal security of the religious. I do believe in the eternal security of those who are truly born again. And I don't think you have to look far and nor do you have to dig deep to see that. First off, just the very, the very concept of grace. That my salvation is about my repentance and my decision to follow. And that is it. Everything else is in God's hands. Again, I'm amazed how little I've got to do with my salvation. I could not earn it in the first place. And I am fairly certain I can't keep it either. The simplicity of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whosoever believes in Him, not perform, not keep the rules, not if you continue, not if you endure, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. How about, how about 
John 5, 24. Jesus speaking again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Shall not come into judgment, but has passed, has passed from death unto life. First uh, Corinthians, I'm sorry, John 10, 28, 29. And I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. And they shall never, never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is now therefore no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So whatever it means... It can't mean that I could lose my salvation, Jim. It can't mean that one. Well, another idea is, is that Christian, Christians can lose their rewards. And that's, again, that is a possibility. Uh, there is a place called the, the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll be judged for our rewards, how we serve the Christ, and we'll be rewarded accordingly. And Paul certainly says in 1 Corinthians 3.15, he says, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So that's a possibility. Possibility. It seems like, from the guy smarter than me, the most likely interpretation is that this speaks of people who were not Genuinely born again. People who may have gone to church, people who did all the right things, but were never truly born again. You know, I, there's, I don't know a whole lot about garden. That's Judy's department. But my daddy did raise rose bushes. And I've seen this in my yard, by the way. We've got some uh, nearly wild roses, which is kind of appropriate for this illustration. And, and you know, you'll sit there and you'll watch this rose grow and you'll water it and you'll fertilize it. And before long, this really thick, healthy-looking shoot will come up. And amazingly, it seems to grow faster and stronger and it's more healthy than the rest of the rose bush. And it comes up and it comes up and it comes up. And you watch it and you keep going, when's it going to bloom? When's it going to bloom? When's it going to bloom? And you know what's amazing? No matter how tall and how healthy and how big it looks, it never blooms. I think the official term is, they call it a sucker. It reverts back to the old, old nature of the rose bush, draws nurture, nourishment from the root and grows, but genetically it could never bloom because it's a wild rose. It looks good, but it will never bloom. I think that's a pretty indi- good indication of about people who, who go to church. They go to church, um, and, but, but then again, there's that, there's that angst in your spirit that you see. And they go, how can, how can they do that? And I'm not talking about how can they drink a beer on Friday night and call themselves a Christian. I, I'm talking about... How can they be so hateful? How can they be so unforgiving? How can they be so stingy? How can they be so greedy and do these things? How can they treat people the way that they do and call themselves a Christian? They've got all the marks of it as we mark marks, but the one thing, there's no fruit. There's no fruit. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I want to to read to you 
I think probably one of the most... Uh, the, the verse that demands our most utmost attention in the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 21. It really demands our attention. And probably, by the way, this is a big issue to me because as you know my testimony, I was in church for 21 years. 21 years. And I was lost. Lost. And, but you just swore. You just said, but Dwayne, you, you sing, you lead music, you, you do all these things. You're at church. Every time the door's open, you're here, Dwayne. But I hadn't had a change in my heart. I remember Lodema saying, Lodema saying, Dwayne, how is that possible? I said, sis, I can't really explain to you. All I know is it was true. That's all I can tell you. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. In other words, they look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're not. You'll recognize them how? By their fruit. By their fruit. Now, would you, could you kind of file that away for me? You'll recognize them by their fruit. Just kind of file that one away. He goes, Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? In the same way, every tree, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. It's just genetic. It's DNA. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Like that sucker, you give it a little while, and if you don't see any buds on it, you get your clippers out and you clip it down at the base. It's not a true rose. Now listen to this, 721. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter, enter into the kingdom of God, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now again, that's not a performance thing. It's a thermometer thing. It's an indicator thing. Goes on and says this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now that's amazing. I, again, it's the second time today I wish I would brought a book. I, um, when I was in Minot, North Dakota... In 1971. And again, please understand, I never stopped attending church. I was a churcher. And one day, and I'm not sure, I, I remember it happening. I can tell you we sat on the bed together and talked. But I talked to my roommate about Jesus. And that day, he prayed and trusted Jesus as Savior. And I've got a psalm book at home he gave me when I was leaving Minot to move south to be my dad who had a heart attack. And it says, To my good friend, Dwayne, thank you so much for introducing me to your good friend, Jesus, I'll never be the same. Uh, many thanks. I think his name was Walt Irvin. I think it was Irvin. And I read that. In fact, I got it now in my study, laying on the table next to my chair to remind me of a time when I didn't have Jesus. I played a game, but I didn't have Jesus. And even was able to lead someone to a saving knowledge of Christ without not knowing, my, knowing him myself. Which, by the way, proves it's the Holy Spirit and not speaker anyway. 
My point is this. I don't know what these, that verse 6 means. But I know this. I don't want anyone to leave tonight without knowing for certainty that you know Jesus Christ. That there was that time, and so simplistic, not a date you pray to prayer. That's part of it. Maybe part of it. But the day when you recognized you were a sinner, and you turned from, turned from that sin, believing what Christ did, that He was, what, how we start out? Your total provision. Not church, not good works, anything else. That, that you turn from your sin, acknowledging that Jesus Christ was your total provision for rescue, and you turned and decided to follow Him. It doesn't mean perfection. We're not. It doesn't mean we don't sin. We do. But it means we made a decision to turn from our sin, believing in Christ, and chose to follow Him. I want you to know that. I don't want you to add anything else into the equation because anything else weakens and waters down and makes an untrue gospel. It's all Jesus and believing in what He did, you turning from your sin and following Him. That's it. That's it. So whatever that verse means, make sure tonight that you know Jesus. That's all. Make sure you know Jesus. Go back. Go back. Go back to the time, if you're 12, go home tonight. Get your iced tea or your Diet Coke and your sandwich after church thing. Sit in your chair and just think about it. Think about the day you met Jesus. And make sure you met Jesus. Okay? Deal? I'm so glad October 26, 1975 rolled around. Like I said, I woke up October 27th, still not perfect. But I knew that I met Jesus. I knew I met Jesus. Well, he goes on and says in verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, now, now listen, this is good. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me and your word abide, excuse me, my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, again, we've been in these verses, and we've been in Colossians in chapter 3, verse 16, several times. Let me read it to you. Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ, Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let God's word abide. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and then let my word abide in you, then you can start and ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Now, again, I'm going to pause and say, without trying to make an excuse for God answering prayer or not answering prayer, you know, what does that mean that you can ask? It simply means this, that as we abide, as we abide in him and his word lives and dwells in us, we start having a different case of desires. Now, again, I want to make it clear. My desire is Lucy gets a call or drives to Marion at 3 o'clock in the morning. She picks up her visa, goes home, might as well stay up, have a cup of coffee, finishes packing, joins us at the bus at 7.30, and off we go to Africa. That's my desire. But it may not be God's desire. And I've got to be okay with God's desire. In my prayer life, I can say, God, this is what I'd like to see happen. And how did Jesus say it? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. 
And you need and will be. You will be. If, if you abide in Him and His words abide in you, you'll be okay with that. The goal is to reach a point where, God, I'm okay with that. Because you're my total provision and I'm totally dependent on you. I trust you. If that's what you desire, then that's my desire. You know it's cool when his desires become your desires. Did I tell you the story about October? Did I tell you how we had planned a trip to Uganda in October? I, I, had, I had told a family no on a wedding because I was going to be in October. I said, we can't change this date. The missionary set this date. We can't change it. And then the missionary calls and says, I can't make that date. We need to change the date. I was so mad. What do you mean? You... I, I, I didn't do a wedding for a church family because I was going to be in Africa. Now we're going to change the day. Judy, that was I'm mad. I didn't understand. Until about the first week in November when I got an email from James, actually his prayer letter that said, hey, I, I'm sorry, it was an email to start with and said, you need to pray for Sonia because her father's very ill and she's gone back to California. Um, to be with her dad. It was past tense. It was in October. And then later on, we found out just a short time after that, her father died. And I just said, Lord, what would have happened if we'd have been there with a team? What would James have done? He, he would have, he'd have been on the islands with us, but Madison, no one would been there to take care of Madison. See, God knew exactly what he was doing. Trust him. Trust him. Be totally dependent on the total provision of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified. I wrote down, do you want to glorify God? Dwayne, do you want to glorify God? Do you want to glorify yourself or do you want to glorify God? He says, well, in this, okay, by this, by, by trusting and believing, um, guess what? You, you will bear much fruit. And by that you'll be my disciples. You'll prove. You'll show my disciples. Now, this is where I was hoping to get to, and I was kept looking at the clock if you saw me. And because of this, trust me, soul winning is somewhere in this mix. That might be the kind of fruit. Okay? You know, you know, I'm I'm the vine, you're the branches, got that part. You know, he who abides in me bears much fruit, you know. But there's preachers who will pound the pulpit and say, It's talking about winning souls. Yes, sir. That's a kind of fruit. But I agree with what some preacher said in my commentary today. I emphatically agree that Jesus is talking about another kind of fruit, and it is Christ-likeness. It is Christ-likeness. You know, it's okay to, to say, well, I go to church, that's a fruit, and I do that, that's a fruit. But the fruit that Jesus Christ is talking about is Christ-likeness. You'll be more like Christ if you abide in Him. You'll be more like Christ when His Word abides in you. You can't not go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, if I were to ask you, how, how do you describe Jesus? Jim, how, how would you describe Jesus? Invariably, words like this will come out. Well, he was love. And you know what? No matter the circumstance, he always seemed to have joy. And, and you know what? He, had, he was facing Calvary, but he had this incredible 
peace. And he was so patient, even with the religious leaders, to a large degree, he was patient. But, but with the worst sinners in town, he was long-suffering. And oh, was he kind. I remember the story when the woman was drug in and, and he told the people with the first, you know, without sin cast the first stone and, and they all dropped their rocks and he said, woman, we're your accusers and there aren't any Lord. And he goes, well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Kindness. Goodness. Was anybody, two day, two services in a row we can do this. Was anybody gooder than Jesus? Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Christ-likeness. And Paul, writing in Galatians, after, obviously, the death and crucifixion of Jesus, says, listen, these are fruit, and they're fruit of the Spirit. Again, just like the vine is responsible for the branch producing fruit, so the Holy Spirit is responsible for the Christian producing fruit. And the primary fruit is is Christ-likeness. You'll bear much fruit. You'll be a lot like my son. People look at you and go, you're a lot like Jesus. It'll be a natural thing, not anything we gin up. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Along the process of fruit bearing, there's not only some pruning, it will involve a crucifixion. Because Paul says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we want to abide in Him and Him abide in us and His Word to abide in us, and if we want to bear much fruit, if we want to be like Christ, it's going to involve some pruning and it's going to involve a crucifixion. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So it's going to follow. Is it worth it? Oh, buddy. (laughs) Is it worth it? Amen? Amen? All right. Let me read 9 and 10 to you. We'll call tonight. This is, I like to tell you what I'll write down sometime. Think this over, I said. As the Father loved me, Jesus said. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Reckon how much did the Father love Jesus? How much do you think? Can you even put a gauge on it? Can't, can you, Sheila? You just can't. Well, In the same way that the Father loved His Son, the Son loves us. And He goes, you sang that song, Abide in my love. That's what we sang tonight. Draw me deeper into your love, the verses said. Abide in that love. Don't abide in this twisted thing that churches try to sell sometime about a performance-based gospel. Abide in His love. Rest in His love. Celebrate His love. He's a good, good Father. And you, dear friend, if you're a Christ follower, is loved by Him. How about that? Isn't that a good way to end the day? He's a good, good Father, and we are loved by you. Now, he says in verse 10, If you keep my commands... You will abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in His love. Now write this down in your brain or on a piece of paper. Obedience is not a duty thing. It's a love thing. Obedience is not a duty thing. 
There is no joy in duty. If you get up on Sunday mornings and you drag yourself in this parking lot, there ain't a lot of joy in it. But if you're like, I told somebody this week, I can't even remember who it was. Y'all ever seen the movie The Rookie? Yes, the old baseball player who throws his shoulder out and gets to come back and get a chance to to be professional. He tries out and throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. They take him. It's a true story, by the way. And, and they put him in the minors. And he gets discouraged because it doesn't look like he's going to be called up to the majors. And he begins to get discouraged. He walks out to a, a little league baseball field and watches the little league guys play baseball. A little kid turns around and smiles at him and does like that. He smiles back, and that's when he realizes it. It's not about the majors. It's about baseball. And he walks in the next morning to one of his teammates and says, Do you know what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. And you know what we get to do today? We get to serve God. We get to worship God. We get to celebrate God. Because we are loved by Him. So as you journey through 2017... And you had the situation where the visa may or may not come, the doctor may or may not say, the job may or may not pan out, the bills may or may not be, be paid. When you get that situation, remember, he's my total provision, and I'm totally dependent on him. And his desire is okay by me. Let's pray. Well, thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share tonight. Help us get a hold of some of this truth. And God, and I'm speaking for myself, help me to believe it. Help me to believe it. I don't want to just teach these things. I want to live these things. And Father, we all do not know what 2017 holds. Health-wise, family-wise, job-wise, we don't know, but you do. And help me to believe in your sovereignty and help me to trust you. Even when I don't understand, in fact, even if I don't like it, help me to trust you. And I pray the same for my brothers and sisters tonight. Thank you, Father, for your son's precious words in John 15. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious, your strong, your good name. Amen. Amen.